0: Welcome to Bench on self Love Podcast. I'm your host, Anna, but you can call me Anchi. For the past few years, I've been struggling with binge eating disorder, severe procrastination issues and a really poor self-image. Any kind of self-love has been pretty much non-existent. But I've realized I'm not alone in this, as millions of others struggle with accepting who they are, and we all fight our inner battles. I'm not an expert on this, nor I claim to be, but I have a story and I want to share it with you guys, raw and honest, with all its highs and lows. Every Tuesday, I share my experience, thoughts and tips on overcoming binge eating disorder, procrastination and tips on gaining self-love and respect. Join me and our listeners on our journey to build a healthier and kinder relationship with ourselves. Make sure to subscribe to Binge on Self Love podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts, so you don't miss any future episode. For more content on binge eating, procrastination, self love, and self acceptance, visit bingeonselflove.com and follow me on Instagram at bingeonselflove. Disclaimer: Binge on Self Love podcast is intended for informational purposes only. It doesn't provide professional medical advice and it is not a substitute for a diagnosis or a treatment. Oh, Hi everyone. My name is Anna, but you can call me Anchi, and welcome not only to the Bench on Self Love podcast, but also to the 40th episode. Yay! I can't believe that we made it to episode number 40. I've released the first episode in September and although I did doubt myself and my abilities whether or not I will be able to do this podcast, I never doubted about the topics I wanted to cover in this podcast. Because binge eating disorder and eating disorders in general are such a common issue among all the people around the world. According to a recent 2021 study, binge eating disorder and OSFED, which stands for Other Specified Feeding or Eating Disorders, are the most prevalent globally. What may be shocking to many of you is the actual increase of eating disorders during the COVID-19 pandemic and during the lockdown. Based on a study from April 2021, there's been a 20% increase of teenagers being hospitalized for an eating disorder during the COVID-19 pandemic. And by the way, both studies are listed in the show notes, so you can check them out if you like what is really sad is that there are other people who don't even get the official diagnosis or who are not being hospitalized but they still struggle with an eating disorder i wholeheartedly believe that it is important to keep talking about eating disorders and keep talking about the body image and self-sabotage and self-acceptance It affects not only our mental and physical health, but it affects our social behavior, our decisions, our future, and also people around us as well. I think the more we talk about the problems we suffer with, the more we will be able to show other people that there's nothing to be ashamed of. And there's nothing wrong with asking for help, quite the opposite actually. And I hope this podcast encourages you on your journey to self-acceptance and maybe even on your recovery journey. I'm not an expert on eating disorder and I will never claim to be one. All I hope to do is by sharing my story is to support you and encourage you on your journey and let you know that you're not alone in whatever it is you're going through. So now, without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Because today's episode is so special to me, it's not only the fourth episode of this podcast, but we've also officially reached over 2000 listens across all platforms across the globe. And I feel so blessed and so, so grateful. And I want to send a massive thank you to everyone who ever listened to this podcast. So for today I prepared a list of 40 different things that I've learned and understood about eating disorders and also things that people don't usually tell you about eating disorders. So let's get into it. Number one, you're not your eating disorder. The first thing that I've learned is that you are not your eating disorder. And let me say that again, you are not your eating disorder. An eating disorder is something you are struggling with, something you're going through, something that you are experiencing, but it is not you. It is not a part of you or part of whoever you are supposed to be. I know that the longer you struggle with an eating disorder, the more inseparable you may feel from your eating disorder, but still it is not you. Those thoughts that you have, it's all influenced and affected by the eating disorder. I was struggling with binge eating disorder for over six years, and I got to a point where I thought, who am I without an eating disorder? What if this is my, like these ugly thoughts, this self-hatred, this distorted relationship with food? What if this is really me? Well, it's not. It's not you. Eating disorder is called a disorder for a reason. It's something that may happen to you, something that you may experience, something you may struggle with, but it is not you. It may be part of your life for some time, but it's not who you are. I hope this makes sense. And I believe, speaking from my own experience, once you start your recovery journey and you get a chance to dissociate yourself from the eating disorder, at least at some point, it's much easier to see that you are not your eating disorder. Number two, binge eating disorder is way more common than we may think. When binge eating occurred for the very first time or like the very few first times, I've started I've started doing my research on it to understand what's been going on with me. And the more research I've done, the more I realized like, hey, this is actually something that many people seem to struggle with. But to be fair, I think it really wasn't until social media became a thing, which I would say was around 2014, 15, I don't know. And people have gathered their courage and started sharing their eating disorder stories, binge eating disorder stories, and their journeys. Whether it was through blogging, YouTube, Instagram, or podcasts like I do. And when you really start to dig into the issue of binge eating disorder and disordered eating, and eating disorders, and self-hatred, you realize how common it actually is among people. Eight years ago, when I was 19, I thought I must be the only one struggling with binge eating disorder. I didn't even know that anything like that even exists. And I remember I felt so alone and so desperate that I must be the only person struggling with this in the world and no one would ever understand and no one will ever be able to help me. And honestly, I'm so grateful for everyone who decided to share their story because every article I've read, every video I watched and every podcast I listened to On the issue of binge eating disorder has helped me to feel like okay maybe there's nothing wrong with me maybe this is an actual issue that I have developed because of this or because of that and maybe there is something that I can try to do about it I'm simplifying this a little bit of course but I think you get the point Even though we may often feel like we are 100% the only human being on this planet struggling with something, there's like 100% chance that you are not. You are not alone in this. Number 3. There's no one-size-fits-all recovery. Before I started seeing my therapist, I've tried to find as much information I could on how the recovery of binge eating disorder may look like. What's the process like? I assumed it would be completely different from my anorexia recovery because the main goal there was pretty obvious, to get my body to a point where my weight is no longer so low that it would be life-threatening. But with binge eating disorder, it was different. I've watched so many stories of people and their recovery journeys and what has helped them and what has worked for them, but nothing ever seemed to work for me. I've tried meal prepping, but I still ended up binging. I've tried occupying my mind, but I still ended up binging. I've tried following different meal plans, but I still ended up binging. What did work for me though, was when I stopped having certain expectations on how I think it's going to go, but I've rather tried focusing on taking it step by step, day by day, and I've tried listening to how I was feeling every day, and how my body was feeling, how was my body and my mind reacting to this or to that. I make sure to emphasize this message all throughout the Binge on Love podcast, and that's There is no one-size-fits-all solution to anything and there's no point in comparing yourself to anyone. Even when I share things that have helped me, it doesn't necessarily mean they will work for you and vice versa. What didn't help me may totally work for you. So if you can, try not to compare your journey, your recovery journey to anybody else's. If you are starting off your recovery or if you're already in the process of recovering from an eating disorder, try to keep your mind open, have no assumptions and no preconceptions of how the recovery is supposed to go. Moreover, try to listen to your body and what it needs. I believe recovery is possible, but I just think the process of it will be different for each and every one of us. Number 4. Recovery may be a long-term process. This follows up on my previous point, the length of the recovery process will also be unique to everyone. Sometimes it takes months, sometimes years, sometimes even most part of our lives. But one thing is for sure, recovery is a lengthy and challenging and emotional process and it doesn't happen overnight. So if your friend, let's call her Becky, told you that after six months of therapy and following a special meal plan, she no longer has any issue with food and she fully recovered from her eating disorder and she feels fine, then that's amazing, good for her. I would be happy for her too. But please don't come to a conclusion that if this is what has helped Becky, then this is what necessarily has to help you, or that your recovery will be as lengthy as Becky's recovery. We are all different, we have developed an eating disorder for different reasons, and we all need different amount of time to heal and to recover, and we may need different tools to do so. For some people, for example, therapy may be the perfect solution, while for others it may not. I would never in a million years thought that the things that did eventually help me would be the things that helped me. But I'm grateful that they did, but at the same time, I am not saying that this is what needs to work or what will work for everybody else. Number five, the all or nothing mindset doesn't work. I admit I do have the all or nothing mindset in many areas of my life and I've also suffered the consequences of it. When it comes to an eating disorder and to the recovery as well, we often believe that the only way to get better and the only way to recover is by doing everything perfectly. I thought recovery meant that one day I will make up my mind and I will never ever binge again. And I thought it meant that I will never be able to put my hands on any kind of junk food and that I will have to watch myself every time around food. And therefore, I was so shocked that a few days after I've decided to start my recovery, and a few days after I've started seeing my therapist, I have binged again. I thought it meant I have failed. But surprise, surprise, nothing in this world is perfect. Take a little baby, for example. Before it learns how to walk, it learns how to turn around, and how to crawl, and how to get up. And when the baby is learning how to walk, it falls on the ground million times. But it gets up every single time. I mean, it's not called baby steps for nothing, you know. And it's the same with eating disorder recovery. It's not a competition. You don't need to succeed and do your best the first time around. All you have to do is start and then get up and keep going every time you fall. Number six, you may turn back to the old habits when things get hard. One thing that I've learned the hard way is that there are times when we feel, is that there are times when we will feel incredibly strong and we may pass any obstacle without thinking twice about it. But there are also times when things get tough and we start turning back to the old patterns. I've noticed this a lot when there were some situations I couldn't control or situations that I didn't know how to handle. And the thoughts about binging and the urges to binge got stronger and stronger. And I also started to doubt myself a lot more. And getting back to the old patterns felt like I want something that's safe for me. Something that I know and understand and something that will make me feel better. I definitely did turn back to the old habits of binging a couple of times, but I would say that the longer in the recovery I was and the more I was learning about myself, binging was bringing me less and less of everything that I wanted to do it for, until it eventually didn't give me anything at all. Number 7. There's no right moment to start the recovery. It took me a few years to admit myself that I won't start on Monday or I won't start on the first day of the month or I won't start on January the first of the next year or I won't start at any special occasion. The only perfect moment to start the recovery is right now. Not tomorrow, not next week, not on Friday, not on Monday, not on weekend, not on any special day, but just right now. Number eight, people with eating disorders have different weights and bodies. Another thing I've learned and understood about eating disorders is that the way people look and how much they weigh are not really the most important signs of an eating disorder we tend to think that only people with very low body weight can have an eating disorder. Whereas people who look quote-unquote normal or maybe are quote-unquote overweight could never have an eating disorder. I've learned that how much your body weights can be misleading and it doesn't always reflect the true state of what's been going on in that person's mind. So if there's one thing I would like you to remember... Is that never judge people according to their body and according to weight because you never know what they are going through this brings me to my point number nine which is that eating disorders are not just about weight obviously weight food and sense of control are the core part of an eating disorder issue but there is much more to an eating disorder For many, it's about having a sense of control over their lives, over their body. It may sound crazy, but sometimes feeling like we can control at least one thing in our lives gives us this sense of stability and reassurance that life is in our power after all. For others, it may be about escaping from the emotions and thoughts or the reality itself. I've been using food during my binge sessions to escape from the reality I didn't like. When I binged, I didn't feel anything. I didn't have to deal with my life, with my problems, with anything, at least for a couple of moments. For others, it can be a way how to self-sabotage or punish themselves. I can only speak for myself, but I found binge eating being some sort of punishment because... Yes, it brought me short-term relief, but at the same time, it didn't allow me to be happy and not only to be able to live my life to the fullest, but to live my life at all. With binge eating disorder, my life shrunk to work, food shopping, and being stuck at home binging. There were no friends, no experience, no happiness, nothing. So to sum this up, Yes, eating disorder will always be about food to a certain point, but at the same time, it can be about something else for so many of us. Number 10 Binge eating disorder is super expensive. I try not to admit how much freaking money I've spent on binge food because if I would, I would start crying, and I'm not even joking. I was binging pretty much every single day, or like five days out of seven, if it wasn't that bad. And it meant buying food every single day obviously the amount of money i've spent on the binge food shopping sprees was equally increasing according to how much money i had or how much money i was making but i can safely say that i haven't saved a single crown during the first two years of my first job because i've spent it all on binge food my raw estimate on on how much money I could probably spend on binge food during six plus years obviously there are times when I was still at the uni so I didn't have that much money also there are times when I was in the recovery so it all started decreasing until it eventually stopped but I would say the amount I spent during those years would be somewhere around five to ten thousand dollars just on bench food and that's like crazy. Please keep in mind that I'm not saying this to pity myself or to make anyone feel uncomfortable. However this is what the reality of binge eating disorder was for me and it's not something many people share because obviously it feels pretty embarrassing. But one thing I've learned is that eating disorder or rather binge eating disorder is pretty expensive. Number 11. Eating disorders are not a gender-age thing. Eating disorders affect people of any gender and any age. I personally feel like the preconception that eating disorders are a problem just among young girls is slowly starting to shift away, but I'm not really sure how much. I think it depends on the country and the culture and the society that you live in. It's probably true that maybe more women share their story and experience with eating disorders, but I think that we need all people of all genders and all ages to share their stories as well. Of course, if they feel comfortable to share their stories. To let people know that eating disorder is an issue that we should be taking seriously, but at the same time, it's not something you should feel ashamed of. And it should be completely normal to be able to ask for help if needed and to get the help when needing it in the first place. Number 12. Self-love can look a million different ways, but it's still the key to recovery. I personally believe that self-love, self-acceptance, however you want to call it, is the actual key to the recovery. I think that in order to stop hurting ourselves through dieting and not eating or binging or or purging or being mean to ourselves, hating on our bodies, we need to accept who we are with everything that comes with it, the good and the bad. It's a fucking long process, I'm not gonna lie, I find it really really hard until this day. I find it easier to believe all the negative things about me, but I find it really hard to believe just one good thing about me. Self-love can look millions of different ways. The journey to self-acceptance will also be different and very unique to each and every one of us. But I do believe that finding a peace within yourself, with who you are, how you look, what you, what your traits are, is essential in order to fully recover from an eating disorder. Number 13. Cheat days and cheat meals don't work I seriously wonder if cheat meals or even cheat days have ever worked for anyone. Because I've been so familiar with the eating disorder mindset that I hate the idea of cheat meals. It already creates such negative connotations that you're eating something you shouldn't and you can only have this now, not tomorrow or not on any other day. And you're going to work the entire week really really hard so that you can let yourself go on this particular day and have this cheat meal or whatever. I agree that we shouldn't be eating junk food from dusk till dawn, but giving the food we eat The labels such as cheat meal, guilty pleasure or whatever only contributes to the disordered eating mindset. For example, the donut itself isn't bad. Is it less nutritious than an oatmeal? Probably yes. But what makes the donut bad essentially is the label you assign to it and the narrative you create around it. I think cheat meals started being a thing with the rise of bikini fitness competitions And the problem is that it was adopted by people who do not do these types of competitions. I've said it in one of the other episodes, but I don't want a diet that I need to cheat on. I want something that's sustainable in the long term. It's like with a partner. If you are in a relationship with someone, it's usually because you love that person and you want to be with them for as long as possible. You don't want a relationship that you need to cheat on every now and then. Number 14. You have more control than you think. Accepting the responsibility for the way I live my life and for the way how I handle different situations have always been incredibly hard for me. I'll be honest, I very often play the victim. I very often feel like the universe is against me when something bad has happened or when something didn't go as planned. And with anorexia and with binge eating disorder, I believed for a really long time that it was all happening to me, to the poor me, and I had no control over it. The truth is that, yes, I didn't choose to struggle with binge eating disorder. I don't think I'm responsible that it did happen to me. But what I think I'm responsible for is the way I handled the situation. For years, I was using it as an excuse for myself why I can do this and why I can do that and why do I do things that I do and I convinced myself that I have no control over anything in my life and that I can't ever recover from binge eating disorder. But that wasn't true. We can't really affect what happens to us. Sometimes we can, but usually we can't. But what we can affect is how we react to it. What do what do we do and what we don't do? What do we learn and what we don't learn? It took me years to admit this to myself, but it was one of the most important lessons I've ever learned. Number 15. Diet is not a solution, it's the problem. If you've listened to some of the previous episodes of the Bench on Selvaf podcast, you probably know that I hate diets and the idea of dieting. I am not, of course, talking about health-related diets, but I am talking rather about weight-focused diets that are promoted to all of us all the freaking time. The reason why I don't like the idea of being on a diet is because it already creates the division of food on bad and on good, and it assigns the moral value to food, and it feeds the fear that there is something you can't eat. I don't know about you, but the more I forbid myself something, the more I want it. I think our eating habits shouldn't be about what we can't eat, but rather about being focused on what we eat and what else can we eat and what else can we incorporate to our eating habits and whether we do have enough of everything and just having a sustainable approach towards food overall. Number 16, at the end of the day, you only get yourself. I don't mean this in a sad or negative way. What I mean is that at the end of the day, you only get this one body, one soul, one heart and you deserve to treat yourself with love and respect. And you deserve to treat your body the way it should be treated. Nourished, active, loved, well rested, mentally and physically fine. We often tend to forget that because we focus on those few things that we feel like are wrong with us that we start treating our bodies not like our friends but like our enemies. But we shouldn't be fighting against our bodies. We should become allies and we should try to become better and stronger and happier and healthier. Number 17, you can spend all your money on external things but you won't feel more beautiful. Again, I've learned this the hard way. The more I was binging, the worse I was feeling about myself both physically and mentally. And the more issues I was having with my health and in, and in my personal life because of the binge eating disorder, the more money I spent on external things like clothes and makeup. I thought it would make me happier and more beautiful. As we all probably know, it didn't make me feel better. If anything, it made me feel worse. We can try to look for happiness and the sense of being good enough in the external things, but we will never get it. It must come from within. Number 18. You need to try every single day. Some days it will be easier than the others. When I first started my recovery journey, I didn't think it would be easy. I tried to recover multiple times before and it never had been easy. But you only truly find how hard it is when you feel like you want to quit. I wanted to quit and get back to my old safe, comfortable habits of binging every day so many times and I also did come back so many times but it's only at that point when we realize that change is never easy and you need to try every single day. Every single day is another opportunity to choose recovery or eating disorder. This brings me to my point number 19, which is that you are much stronger than you think. Even though we need to show up every day and choose recovery over an eating disorder every single day, it's not impossible to recover. Eating disorder is extremely powerful, but it's not omnipotent. Eating disorder wants us to believe that we need it and that without it we are nothing and that without it we will never be good enough. But none of that is true. You are much stronger than you think and that what your eating disorder makes you believe. So keep that in mind every morning when you wake up, every time you choose recovery over an eating disorder. You are capable and worthy and much stronger than you think. Number 20. There will be moments when you won't be sure about anything. And those are exactly the moments when you need to push through and keep going. On days when we feel good and our minds are occupied with so many other things, the recovery process may feel much easier. But on the moments when we don't feel as good and when we don't feel good in our skin we are doubting ourselves those are the moments we need to keep going as those are the moments that make the difference between where you are right now and where you want to be so we've reached point number 20. i will end the episode here for today as it's already going to be too long I'll be back next Tuesday with another 20 things that I've learned and I've understood about eating disorders during the past 8 years. Until then, have a great rest of the week, take care, stay true to yourself and talk to you soon. Bye! Thank you so much for spending your time listening to Binge on Self Love podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to subscribe to Binge on Self Love podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss any future episode. You can find more content on binge eating, procrastination, and self-acceptance at bingeonselflove.com and on Instagram at bingeonselflove. Talk to you soon. Bye! (laughs) we <laughs>